welcome to Take Heart, where our goal is to offer encouragement, give hope, and insight so you can flourish in your journey as a special needs mom. My guest today is Jonna Hensley. Jonna is an author, blogger, speaker, and all-time coordinator of chaos. Managing her family of eight built through biology and adoption means there's rarely a dull moment in her days. Through her writing, Jonna boldly shares the eternal hope and restoration heaven offers. She and Ryan, her husband of 18 years, reside in the suburbs of Dallas, Texas, and are avid supporters of foster care, adoption, disability awareness, and advocacy, as each has impacted their family. When the chaos subsides, you'll find Donna spending time outdoors, enjoying an early morning workout, or on the patio of a Tex-Mex restaurant with friends. Her book, Reckless Yes, Exchanging Worldly Ease for God's Eternal Adventure, released June 6th. And I hope you enjoy this interview with Jonna today. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Jonna, would you tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself and your parenting journey? Sure. I am a mom of six and I have kids ranging from a 15-year-old son with a disability all the way down to a set of two-year-old twins. Uh, So... (laughs) Uh, all over the place there. That's great. You and I met, I think, many years ago through a Facebook group or something like that, maybe even prior to that. Um, will you share just a little bit about your special needs parenting journey and what that has looked like? Sure. Yeah. Um, I was reflecting that today of how we had met. And uh, man, the special needs community of moms is so tight knit. Yeah. Uh, virtually, though. <laughs> Like right. we're all over the country. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so you and I share one thing in common. Uh, we've got sons who have a trach and a vent and a whole whole lot of things that we kind of work with. And so um, my journey, probably similar to yours, when I was pregnant, um, learned that my son had a neural tube defect. Um, and he was he's my oldest. So I had no point of reference for yeah. for this experience at all. And was just a young, naive 24-year-old girl um, whose world was crumbling. Um, and so he was born to the NICU. He had his first surgery at five days old um, to repair you know, this opening in his back and his spine. And he went on to be in NICU for seven months. His case is more severe. Um, and he has a trach and event, which led to a lot of lung issues for us. Um, our other thing that we deal with, with him, uh, he had a blood clot when he was in NICU, uh, in his gut, uh, just a one-off random thing. And so he lost quite a bit of his small intestine. So we deal with, uh, short gut issues, trying to keep weight on him. He's got a continuous feeding, uh, pump that goes. And, um, so we've got that going on. We have the, the vent and the trach. We've got that. We've got the spina bifida mobility issues. So we're, we're kind of, we have a foot in a lot of different areas yeah. <laughs> of this life. He is um, health-wise in a good place, is quite sassy and sarcastic <laughs> and sense of humor, you know, just very social, loves people. So he, he's a delight, um, though a high maintenance one, but he is, he's a lot of fun. So, <laughs> Do you feel like your son has been on his own journey with grief and how have you walked through that with him? Um, 
Yeah, because he, you know, like I said, he's 15. So we're dealing with regular teenage emotions and those things. And we have, I mean, I've been alongside him for his grief journey for many years. Um, And as grief does, it comes in waves. And so I can, um, I notice the seasons when it's heavier on him. And then there's other seasons where it's okay. He's comfortable with it. You know, he understands. Uh, Right now, I'd say he's um, in a good place. I would be more of the one who's struggling with the grief, uh, just him being, you know, a teen now and his peers are driving and um, it doesn't seem to bother him, but it bothers me. So we kind of bounce off of one another um, and we're both very open about it. And that's always been huge for us. It's like, we just want to keep the communication open. So when he's having a rough day or he's feeling sad and depressed, just being attuned to that and sitting with him in the sadness, um, nothing I say or do will change the circumstance, but I can join him in that. So then on the days when I'm in the, you know, in the pit, he can join me (laughs) and we know how each other feels. Uh, And so it helps to have somebody there with you going through it. Sorry, I didn't mean to throw that question at you, but just being at a similar stage with Toby, it it's interesting to me that it's not something that they prepare you for and all of those prenatal appointments when yep, yep. you know that <laughs> oh if your son is if your child is cognitively aware, they're also gonna walk through their own grief journey. And I love what you said just about listening and sitting. And I have noticed that because we spend so much time with our kids in different medical settings, especially and in you homeschool too, along the same as we do, is my son can read my face and my mood even sometimes better than I even understand what's going on in my own body. Mm -hmm. Have you found that with your son also? Yes. Um, Yeah, he's he's in tune to everything around him, to me, to (laughs) the vibe, um, all of it. And so... um, I think for us, it's just, again, being open and um, bringing him into those, like any kind of big decisions or medical things, appointments. Um, I want him to take ownership of his life. And we have pushed that so hard for all of these years. And um, even when it comes, you know, (laughs) we'll be at an appointment. Um, We had an orthopedic appointment to discuss, you know, the scoliosis. It's 130 degree curve. Do we have a surgery? What do we do? And, you know, I'm feeling the the doctor's vibe. I'm wondering, is Hayden feeling it? And, you know, and Hayden, I'm like, speak up. It's your body. It's your life. You tell me what you want to do. And and he does. He he is able to say, I don't want to risk that. I can weigh in. And and so, Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's aware of what's happening. Thank goodness can help us to make difficult decisions because there are so many <laughs> difficult decisions um, that, you know, when he was little and tiny and NICU, it was just up to us to sign consent for things right. that we were just hoping and praying was wise. Now he gets to weigh in and say yes or no, because it is his life. It's his body. Yeah. Um, and I want him to have that autonomy in those experiences. And I think that's so good. It's, I think it's good for our listeners to hear that it is important when our children are able that we hand that autonomy over to them and give them the tools to make decisions. And I know we've been in that same stage too. So let's switch gears just a little bit. And I know that you in recent years have also become an adoptive mom. And so first of all, I know a lot of times I feel like, especially in the world with spina bifida, we get the question of, 
why we know that spina bifida can, you know, it can, it can happen again with biological children. So sometimes we get the question, you know, how did you decide to have more children? And then, and you can skip over that question if you'd like, but how did you decide to become adoptive parents? How in your, how did you and your husband (laughs) decide to become adoptive parents? Yes. No, I get it. We look crazy. I, I, no, it's a zoo over here. So yeah, to, to speak to that, you know, Hayden was my firstborn. I do have two more biological sons, um, which I was hesitant at first to move forward because I was terrified of right. the many, many things I'd seen in seven months of a NICU. And um, yeah. so we kind of worked through that. God opened my eyes, really comforted me and told me, you know, whatever kid you get is for my glory and not yours. Yeah. And we we sort of walked through that and we were uh we had two more sons and uh, praise God they were healthy. Um we would have loved them anyway, but that was not, you know, their 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 lot. They they are healthy and uh we were rocking along. We had three boys. They were all in school or school age and we just felt um this conviction, this calling, this challenge to kind of begin to dip our toe into fostering. I don't, I, I feel like people look at foster parents and think that I think everyone should do it. I don't. So everybody rest easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for us and our family in that season, that was something we were being led to. So our journey was that we begin to kind of investigate some agencies and I mean, it's pretty obvious our circumstance and here's Hayden, here's our family. And we knew good and well that they could turn us away, but we wanted to offer our, our family, our home, and then kind of put the ball in their court. Right. And so our, um, our method, if you will, is that we were walking in a yes until it was a no. And so, you know, calling up the agency, that was us being faithful to what we felt God was leading us to, it, you know, um, going up to the informational meeting, going to the classes, each of these tiny little steps were us saying, yes, God, here we are. And knowing full well that it could become a no and they miss away or, or Hayden could have been sick or Hayden could have, sure. you know, a million things could have happened. And we were just trying to be faithful in those little things. And so we actually got licensed just to provide respite care, which is short-term care, like right. two weeks or less. And we were doing that. And um, through a turn of events, one of our respite kiddos um, needed to be needed to be in a, a full-time placement. And so that kind of came up. And anyway, it's a whole journey that, that led us to, as you said, we are adoptive parents now. And so we ended up adopting three kids in two years. <laughs> They're all siblings and it was never something we saw coming. And I don't want to say it's not something we sought out, but again, we were walking in yeses and just trying to be faithful and God grew our family six kids. And so that's what we're trying to steward well in the chaos and the, you know, the madness over here. (laughs) And I love how you said that walking in yes until it was a no. And I think that's just part of having a faith journey, no matter what your path is. And like you said, your path may not be foster care or adoption, but that we just, our, our pastor always says that our yes is always on the table when God asks. Yeah. And I think that's so important. So 
I know some of our listeners are, you know, barely keeping their head above water in the circumstances that they're in. So what word of encouragement would you give to them if they're just thinking, how do I balance my life even as it is in these circumstances? Because I know you're balancing a lot also. Yeah. Oh, balance is hard, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Actually, I think the word, the word is just being faithful. It's not balance all the yeah, time, yeah. right? It, it can't yes. be. Yeah. Yeah. I think part of it is, it's kind of to your point of putting the yes out on the table, right? And so it's um, being aware and being open and having these ears to hear, is God leading me somewhere? Not necessarily foster care, but it could be all kinds of things. Maybe it's, you know, writing a note to your neighbor who just became a widow. Maybe it's yeah. um, praying for a foster family. It could be anything, um, but but being in tune and being available and just listening um, and just, and, and it's hard because like you said, this is the life we're living, but rather than being like consumed with all the things we have to do, just like uh, to be open-handed and to say, yeah. okay, God, like, you already know about my chaos, but is there something more that you have for me? Um, is there a way you'd like to grow my faith? You know, help me to be open-handed and see what it is that you might be calling me to. I think that was that was the thing for us was when things had settled down with with our kids and Hayden was in a good place and we had nursing staff and he was healthy. It was like we had a moment to breathe and to say, okay, God, wait a minute. Are you doing something new? And um, you know, it's exciting when he does something new, you know? Yeah, for sure. So what, maybe someone's listening and they're feeling a tug in that direction of foster care, or um, they feel like God is calling them to something new. Can you share just how, first of all, do you have a word of wisdom for them? And secondly, how has, how, what's one way you've seen God show up when you've had your yes on the table? So the thing about God showing up, I think it's that he's sustaining us yeah. in this. Like I have enough wisdom to look at our family and go, oh my gosh, people are seeing us from the outside and thinking, what is going on over there? <laughs> they don't even fit in one car, you know? Right. Um, but he's showing up because he's sustaining us. He yeah. is literally day to day, moment to moment. He sustains our family. He He's called us to this. And he won't abandon us. And I know that. I know that he yeah. won't. And so he's showing up in that way. And he's given us, um, I don't know, he's just given us a story and a way to point others to him. And yeah. I love that he allows us to be a part of his story of the kingdom. To We're allowed to live our lives, whether it's with one kid or eight kids. Right. You're, you know, you have this opportunity to let your light shine, to point others to Christ, um, to share the, the hope of the kingdom and of eternity. And I'm just so thankful for that hope. And I'm passionate about it. Yeah. And, you know, we, we talk about it in our home and, and amongst the kids because the world is broken. Right. It's so broken. We can look at our kids' bodies and we see it's broken. Yeah. We can bring kids into our home from broken places. And I got the reminders. I know the world is broken, but what that's doing for me and hopefully for my kids is it's making the hope of heaven even brighter, right? Because yeah. I can see, I can tangibly see what will be restored one day. 
Yeah. And I'm just thankful for that. And so if somebody is interested in saying yes to whatever it is God's calling, if, if they're ready to open-handed say, here I am, send me, well, specific to foster or adoption, if that's if that's lighting them up, you know, you'd look into some agencies, maybe find a foster family, start asking questions. Um, right. Just do something like do the next thing, not just make a list, but like go do something. Chat, yeah. have a conversation, um, just explore. Because like I said, it could be a no and right. that's fine, but it's your faithful yes. I would say bringing in community is really important too. Yeah. Share your idea. Say, I think God's calling me to this. Can you pray for me about it? Can you help, you know, let's kind of bounce some ideas. Help me talk it out. Let's look for clarity. Let's ask God for confirmation that this is what he's saying. Um, so, you know, bringing in some people alongside you to walk that journey would be great. I think that's so good. I was recently at a conference who, where uh, I think it was Paul David Tripp was speaking. He was talking about how God's generosity is just this ongoing theme throughout scripture. We see his generosity through creation. We see his generosity through creating Adam and Eve. And obviously sin came into the world, but then obviously the ultimate generosity through Jesus. And I think that when we change our mindset of living from a place of God is with us, he's going to sustain us. We have everything that we need then we can also live from a place of generosity that it all belongs to him. Our families belong to him, Mm -hmm. our home and, and everybody's generosity looks different, right? Like yours looks different than mine Mm -hmm. and looks different than the person who's sitting across the way in church and all of our callings look very different, but I think God has wired us each individually for that. And it's just a beautiful way that we shine the light of Jesus. So if you could go back, And think about yourself in the beginning of your journey with, first of all, having your first son with special needs and give yourself one piece of advice. What would you tell yourself? (laughs) Oh, man. If you can pick one. (laughs) Yeah. I think about this a lot. And I've said this before, sort of, you know, just kind of jokingly. But if somebody had come to me when I was that 24-year-old little girl standing in the NICU, just day one, day of life one going, what are we doing? What, what is neonatology? <laughs> yes. And if someone showed up and told me where this thing was going to go and that, <laughs> look, you're going to be here for seven months and then you're going to go on to have a million more surgeries and it's going to be exhausting. And I'll, I would have just laid down, rolled over and been done. I couldn't yeah. have done it. Um, and the same when we showed up to that first little foster care class. If someone had said, hey, girl, you're going to adopt three kids in a two-year time span. You ready? I would have ran away. <laughs> yeah. And so it's so hard, uh, you know, with hindsight, right, to look back. But here's the advice I would give. So final answer. that I would go back to her and I would say, read your whole Bible, the whole thing, the entire yeah. thing. And know him, know God know who he is, know that he's faithful. And I grew up in the church and I would, I've done a million Bible studies and, you know, I'd read my Bible and stuff. I'd never read the whole story. Yeah. And for whatever reason, it never clicked with me who he is. And you're right. He's generous. Yeah. And when I, I was able to do that and like read through the Bible and read it every single year. And that's when it just all changed for me that he is so kind Yeah. and what looks a mess 
is actually such a gift. It is such a gift. And so my advice would be read your Bible, read the whole thing, get the Bible recap, um, which is like a commentary podcast, learn what you're doing, understand what and who he is. And then from that space, you can navigate anything. You can navigate the disability, the um, job loss, the uh, adopting kids, the wayward adult child, whatever it is, you can operate in the safety of his faithfulness and who he is and trusting his sovereignty. Uh, And I wish I'd had a better grasp of that earlier in our journey. I got there and I got there in the time that I needed to, but yeah, that's one thing I would go back to that, that young little girl in NICU and talk to her about. Yeah. I think that's so, so good because the Bible is an amazing story. And if we let him, he will write our stories and help us to share our stories and display his glory through us. So, so I know that you have a very special upcoming project that you've been working on. I'm very excited about this. Oh, yes. So I'd love to hear about that. (laughs) And I'm sure our listeners would love to hear about that too. Yeah, of course. Yes. So in and amongst all the chaos, um, thank the Lord, I have finished writing my first book. Yay. Yes. So I get to um, share about our story and my book is called Reckless Yes, Exchanging Worldly Ease for God's Eternal Adventure. And, um, it is, um, it's just, it is our memoir. It's my memoir. Yes. With lots of Bible mixed in there and just pointing out, you know, to God's character and challenging the reader to think of ways, like we said, to be open-handed. Where can I say yes? And, um, the title reckless yes is because I know that the world might look at us uh, as believers and think we're crazy. (laughs) And it doesn't make sense, you know, on this side of heaven. Um, But it's about that eternal adventure, eternity, and um, that restoration that's to come. And so anyway, that book comes out June, and I'm very excited. Um, There'll be an ebook coming out in May, and then the paperback and we'll have an audiobook that I get to record myself, which I'm very, very excited about. So that's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So where can our listeners find you on social media? I know I've been following your Instagram and 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 your Facebook. So I am I'm there in both of those places. My Instagram is usually toddler messes. <laughs> and then Hayden and I hopping on there and uh, just, you know, it's, it's a mess. But yeah, so uh, at jonna.hensley is my Instagram handle. And then uh, I'm on Facebook. I have an author page uh, that I just got started. And also I have a website, jonnahensley.com. Uh, you'll, you can find all my blogs there and, uh, hopefully I'm going to get a newsletter up and going. We'll have links soon. to all this in yeah. the show notes. I know I was reading your blog last couple weeks ago and just beautiful. So oh, thank, well, you thank you for being a guest today. Yeah, great. Great to catch up and get to, to chat. So thank you for having me. All of our resources, including an entire written transcript of this episode, is available on our website at takeheartspecialmoms.com. There are also links to the things we mention in the show notes of this episode. 